This episode is brought to you in part by How to Tell the Truth, a hope-filled book written by Preston Perry that gives practical and easy ways to share the truth of the gospel. Sharing your faith is not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts. Find out How to Tell the Truth at your favorite bookstore. Welcome to Monday Morning Preacher. This is Matt Woodley, your host. Each episode, we look at the high call of what it means to proclaim God's Word. Check out Christianity Today's other podcast, The Calling, an interview show about the nature of church leadership and all the joys and struggles that come with that calling. Each episode features one Christian leader, one calling, and one honest conversation. Today we have a special guest host, Brian Wilkerson from Grace Chapel in Boston. Brian served for 16 years at a church on Long Island, and then for 17 years he's been at Grace Chapel. And uh, Brian, on your bio, on your website, says that you have a doctor of ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and you are also a frequent contributor to PreachingToday.com. We like to see that on your bio. <laughs> thanks Happy for putting part of it. Yeah, thanks for putting that in there. And we love your stuff and we really like you as a preacher and your approach to preaching. And uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit today about the high call of preaching, what it means to be a preacher of God's word. And Brian, just a little background on you. When did God first capture your heart with the beauty and high calling of preaching? It's a great question, Matt. It kind of makes me think about that story. I mean, I, I grew up in a in a preacher's home for a few years. When I was young, my father was pastoring a little country church. So I do think those early years of hearing my father preach, I think made an impression on me, even though he didn't didn't stay in the ministry in that capacity. Later on, I grew up under a wonderful Bible teacher, uh, Dr. Leslie Flynn, but I still don't think I fully appreciated it. It was really my freshman year at Wheaton College. I went to the closest church I could walk to, Wheaton Bible Church. And I remember sitting way towards the back of that gigantic sanctuary. Pastor Chris Lyons, the senior pastor, was way down front. I could hardly see him. And yet week by week, he ministered to me. And I remember marveling at the fact that I didn't know him. He didn't know me. We had never had a conversation. And yet week by week, God was speaking to me through him. And I could also sense that he was also leading this huge church from that pulpit. And I, I, that made an impression on me. I wasn't planning on being a preacher at that point, but I remember thinking, that is a powerful medium. That's a great story, Brian. And I think um, for a lot of preachers that are listening to this, sometimes we just don't know the impact we're having on people's lives. And so that's a real encouragement. You know, both of us have been deeply influenced by a master preacher who has been the, for decades, kind of the mentor and guru of PreachingToday.com, a guy named uh, Dr. Haddon Robinson. And Haddon passed away recently, so we've been thinking about him and talking about him a lot around the office here. And Brian, you told me recently that Haddon elevated preaching to what you called an art form. And uh, you said that you didn't just listen to a Haddon Robinson sermon, you experienced it. What did you mean by that, and what did you learn from that? You know, within about 90 seconds— of a Haddon Robinson sermon, 
everything else just sort of faded away. You weren't looking at your watch anymore. You weren't looking at the people around you. You weren't daydreaming about what you were going to have for lunch or anything like that. His words, his facial expression, his body language, the compelling logic, the narrative movement just captured your imagination and you were lost in that place, wrestling with or discovering some biblical truth that was finding its way to your soul. And really, when it was done, you sort of looked up and said, well, oh, wait, what? where am I? It's like waking up from a dream hmm. and realizing that something powerful has happened to you. Yeah, I first heard Haddon as a new Christian at Edina Baptist Church in Edina, Minnesota. The preacher there was a guy named Dr. Bob Ricker who had a great influence on my call to preaching. And uh, Haddon, I had no idea who he was. I, I had no context for him, but I was captivated. I don't remember the exact text, but I just remember the, the gravitas of this guy in the pulpit. That sounds really amazing, and but kind of it could maybe sound kind of lofty to the average preacher. Let's talk to those preachers. What steps could these preachers take to elevating preaching to an art form like Haddon did? The first thing, and one of the things that Haddon impressed upon us, was you just have to put in the time. Hmm. And it's 20 hours a week. It just is. I've been doing this for 30 years now, and it still takes me 20 hours a week, and I try to give it the best 20 hours of my week. And I've done that at small, medium, and large churches. It's as hard as ever to find 20 hours a week, but I think you got to put in the time. A second thought would be, the discipline of manuscripting your sermon. If you're not in the custom, the habit of that, it can feel stiff. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to bring that manuscript into the pulpit if that's not your style. But the discipline of choosing your words, of crafting a sentence, of moving from one argument to another will just sharpen your preaching and, and make it much more powerful. Then a third thought, I, I think, would be to, at least once in a while, step out from behind that pulpit or a lectern or a high top table or whatever it is you preach from, walk away from your notes, look people in the eye and say what God has put on your heart and just trust yourself to do it. Hmm. The directness of that, even if you can't do it for your whole sermon, do it a few times in the course of a sermon. It's powerful. That is great stuff. So you've been preaching for 33 years. I would imagine some preachers out there are thinking, it's going to get easier <laughs> I'm going to cut 20 hours to six or seven or eight, but it hasn't happened for you, huh? It has not happened. It is just as gut-wrenching and difficult. Uh, I don't panic as much as I did my early years. You know, okay. Eventually, the, the panic begins to fade most weeks. So if you're going to elevate your preaching, there are no shortcuts. There really are not. No, it's hard work. Thanks for the good news. Okay. <laughs> um, both of us were schooled on a very simple and clear and I think freeing and revolutionary concept that hadn't had called the big idea in biblical preaching. We devoted a whole podcast to that because I think it's so important and it's helped my preaching so much. And a lot of other preachers I coach, it's it's really helped them. How do you use that concept in your sermon prep every week? Well, that, that certainly becomes the, the, the driving, guiding force of the sermon. So right from the get-go, I'm working on that big idea. Now, I may be working on it and crafting it right up until I step up in front of the people, literally, uh, to try to sharpen it. But what am I talking about and what am I saying about what I'm talking about 
I've got to get that into a sentence. And I'll write that sentence at the top of my note pages. I'll write it at the top of my manuscript. And the discipline of is everything I'm saying connected to that particular idea or not? And if it's not, it's got to go. Hmm. And the other thing that that big idea does, it not only disciplines your thoughts. For me, it stimulates my creativity. We tend to think the more wide open we are, the more creative ideas we'll have. And it's just the opposite. The sharper, the more focused your idea, the better you're able to think of illustrations or quotes or movie clips or whatever it is that's going to bring your sermon to life. That's a really good point, a little counterintuitive, but I found that to be absolutely true. This is your sermon day, and you're taking time to talk to us, and you're preaching this Sunday. Do you got the big idea yet or not? I'm getting to the big idea. Yeah, I pretty much got it. I got to start at it anyway. Okay. You want to share it with us? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I got so far. I'm introducing a series on Ecclesiastes, so my big idea is if under the sun is all there is, it will never be enough. But if God is there, that changes everything. Okay. Now, at this point, that's two sentences, so I'm going to try to condense that into one sentence, but that's sort of it. Yeah, Haddon would be a big fan of one sentence, right? That's exactly right. And you can't use any conjunctions like and, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I got mine for this Sunday, or actually a week from Sunday, because I don't preach near as much as you do, but I'm preaching on Proverbs, especially the passages about ministering to the poor and uh, speaking out for those who have no voice. So my big idea is seize opportunities to bring God's shalom into broken places. That works. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who sat under Haddon when he was a preaching professor, and they tell some kind of wild stories about Haddon, his bluntness, his sense of humor. I mean, it's true. He He was brutal. He would say anything. He would stop you in the middle and just get up from his seat and say, no, 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 stop, you know. Where are you going? Where are you taking us? Why are you doing that? It, it was it was difficult. What was worse was when you took an advanced preaching class and you did a video review of your sermon. And so you had to sit in a little booth with him, yeah. watch your whole sermon while he critiqued it. It's hard enough to watch your own sermon, but to watch it with Haddon sitting next to you, <laughs> yes. Terry, it was, it, it was root canal. <laughs> what, what did you learn from that? Uh, just that level of honesty and um, obviously it growing as a preacher really mattered. It, it really mattered. It was more important than being nice to each other was that we be excellent. Hmm. And so it, it kind of drove that value for me. And now for the preachers I coach and mentor, we, we just got to tell ourselves and each other the truth about our preaching. You know, we're, we're really big on the lifelong growth of the preacher. And I just ardently believe that I can be a better preacher a year from now, and anyone who uh, is following Jesus and is called to preach God's Word can grow a little bit every year as a preacher. So what did Haddon teach you about growing as a preacher? Just that simple concept of making it your magnificent obsession, your lifelong pursuit. Uh, And I I had the the blessing, really, of sitting under Haddon a couple of times as as a young a seminarian just getting started. Then 25 or so years later, doing my demon here at Gordon-Conwell, I got to sit under him again. And some of it was very familiar, just as powerful, and yet he had new stuff to bring to Hmm. me 25 years later. 
And then I had a wonderful opportunity recently, hadn't actually retired the same community my parents are at. And I just visited him a couple of months ago. He was sitting in a reclining chair and obviously having a hard time speaking and communicating. But we had a really nice visit. He asked me what I was preaching on. Hmm. So I said, well, I'm doing a series on Colossians. And he says to me, what's your angle on Colossians? How are you handling the material? Now, here he is, 80-something yeah. years old, and he wants to talk shop yeah. with a preacher. That kind of passion, I'll never outlive that. That's a great, moving story. Brian, anything else for our preachers out there, lessons that you come back to in your sermon prep and your sermon that you learned from Haddon? One would certainly be uh, the importance of tension. Haddon said, once people know what you're going to say, the sermon is over. Hmm. So don't give away the store at the beginning of your sermon. Keep some tension there. Keep some unresolved questions. Uh, a second little trick he taught us was to imagine someone in the congregation at any point in our sermon standing up and shouting out, what difference does this make? Oh, wow. And that that haunts me, that question. Yeah. And not just saving it till the last two minutes of your sermon to get to application, but at any point along the way to imagine someone saying, why should I be paying attention right now? It, it makes for good preaching, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, that stirs me. I'm going to think about that next time I <laughs> preach. That's great. Well, Brian, thanks so much for being with us. This has been some great content. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, your commitment to the craft of preaching. So thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk shop. And preachers, I just really encourage you somewhere along the way, find a mentor, find somebody that inspires you and in your preaching, somebody that when you grow up as a preacher, you want to be like that person. This is Matt Woodley on Monday Morning Preacher. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you on our next episode. This episode of Monday Morning Preacher is brought to you by ctpastors.com, the new home for pastors at Christianity Today. CT Pastors is for working pastors, by working pastors, to equip you for church ministry. Join for free today at ctpastors.com.